Okay, we're in June, we're going to finish it off. You're saying, I don't know about that, Adam. It took you uh, three weeks to get through the first 11 verses. Now you've got uh, 14 verses left, and you're going to do it all on one Sunday, huh? I think we can, uh, because um, the nature of what we're talking about, we've already kind of set the groundwork, and so I think we'll be, I think we'll be all right. But just the same, it'd probably be wise to ask God's blessing. What do you think? Any objections? We're going to do it anyway, but... <laughs> You can object if you want, uh, but let's just pray. Father, you're better than good, and I, anyone who's been paying attention knows that. Um, I pray you'd bless your word, that it might nourish our spirits, that it might strengthen us, you know, for the days ahead. And you spoke of these things, and now here they are, and, and it shouldn't surprise us. Um, help us to understand, help us to know, help us to you know, we want to study to show ourselves approved, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We pray that this would go far towards that end here this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not going to, because we have, uh, like I say, a lot, I'm not going to, I'm going to assume you got the other lessons, okay? The book is written by Jude. It's about apostates, people who should know better and have made really bad choices. Uh, the I think in my own thinking, uh, I think Cain, okay, second generation. Does he know there's God? Yes, yes. He's not an atheist. Uh, does he worship God in his own way? But that's what we see in America in the 21st century. Will God have it? No. Uh, you know, I just like to go out in the woods and I just like to worship God. And by the way, I do when I'm in the woods. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But in lieu of, you know, uh, I'm, I'm the, I, I, I worship God by fishing on Sundays. Well, that's, what about the forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is? But ever the more, you know, we're supposed to be building one another up as we see that day approaching. Um, so would that, you know, fishing in lieu of worshiping God, would that be valid? And by the way, if you're not here this morning and you're listening online, I'm not trying to throw any guilt on anybody. You know, it's a special season of COVID. We all, we get it. We get it. We're not, nobody's playing that card, you know. But I'm just saying, you know, a lot of people like, I'll worship God, but I'm going to worship it my way. And what's that? Well, you know, I'm going to, I'm being the best Adam Kasperzak I know how to be. Big whoop. <laughs> but we do that. We and so so there's apostates. There's still apostates. Now after today, we're gonna because he's gonna define them really down to that. We're gonna understand what it is to be an apostate. And we're gonna make sure we're not. That's not speaking of us. Okay. Uh, Eleven. Woe unto them! They have gone in the way of Cain. They ran greedily after the Balaam for reward. They perished in the gain saying of Korah. We got it. We got the download last week. These are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about by winds. Trees whose fruits withered without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Okay, let's break it down a little bit. There's spots in your feasts of charity, love feasts. What do you mean? Potluck, we'd call it. And I really believe that, by the way. And by the way, I really want to have potluck. I really want to uh, schedule one of them, do one of them. Right now, during this 
masks all the time phase and stuff like this. It seems just a little bit irresponsible at this time. I want to do that. I want to schedule it. And I want to have a lot more of that. That said, these are spots, uh, stains, a blight, you know, just bleh, in your feasts of charity. Because they feast with us, like they count themselves among us, but they're feeding themselves without fear. Is that talking about actual physical feeding? I think so. Is it talking about spiritual? I mean, there's always a spiritual aspect to this. And they're feeding themselves. They're greedy. They're, they're about themselves. They're always about themselves. And without fear. And what are you supposed to have lunch and be afraid at the same time? I think it's talking about without fear of God. And that's the whole motive. They have no fear of God. If people thought, like, at the end of the day, I'm going to stand before a holy judge, would I be doing the things that I'm doing? Well, that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, a lot of us, we don't... A lot of us, a lot of people, and I'm hoping you think like everything I do is gonna—it's all gonna come out in the wash. Every word I say, every idle thing I speak, every motive I have—it's all gonna—it's all gonna be a before righteous judge, whose eyes are as a flame of fire. He—he—he's not gonna say, you know, uh, I, well, I'm think pretty good on my feet. I'll be able to explain. No, you won't. You mean you're going to be able to pull the wool over his eyes? No, you won't. How ridiculous is that? Uh, that whole concept. Uh, but they feed themselves. They don't fear God. You know what they are? They're clouds without water. These are very, this is very descriptive language. I love this. It's almost like poetry. Uh, you say clouds without water. We want clouds. We like them big, billowy white clouds. We love them. We think they're beautiful. We look up and we can see little pictures and we think clouds are wonderful. In this arid climate, if there's any reason for clouds, it's to bring water. And, you know, they have, you know, the, the former and the latter rain. And they're praying that God would bless them uh, with, you know, water from heaven. And so that's like a really important thing. And here, if they're clouds without water, they're, they're pointless. They're, 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 not, they're not a benefit. They're carried about of winds, uh, you know, whichever way the wind's blowing. Um, there's a lot of politicians, and I don't mean this. You think I'm taking a, a, a political statement here, either like, you know, Republican or Democrat. I'm not. I'm not. Because uh, I think uh, both parties are guilty of this. Uh, what does my constituency think? Well, that's what I think, too. Um, you know, without, you don't have any backbone. You don't have any conviction. You don't know right from wrong. Uh, right is what 51% of the voting public thinks. That's what's right. Uh, uh, blown about by the wind. You remember when Jesus says about John the Baptist, would you come out to see a reed shaken in the wind? Everyone would have laughed. They understood what he was saying. No, John wasn't like that. He didn't check every day to see which way the wind was blowing to see what he was going to preach about, see what he was going to call people to repentance. It had nothing to do with the way the wind's blowing. Here, Judah's saying, they are clouds without water. They're carried about of winds. Trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. I mean, you guys are tree huggers. I mean, literally. But I mean, you like trees. I love trees. I'm really, I, I don't know all that much about them. I really like trees. I like, I like being out in the woods. I, I like, you know, a hardwood ridge. I like pine trees. I like a cedar forest so thick you can hardly get through it you know without you you couldn't fall if you wanted to because it's everything so the branch is so tight in and you're kind of weaving your way down through. i like trees i mean i really do fruit trees have one purpose fruit 
People plant, you know, a cherry tree because they want cherries. They plant an apple tree because they want apples. And that, so if your, your little apple tree isn't producing any apples, well, it's got nice blossoms. <laughs> well, that's, that's nice, but I mean, the, the, the whole thing about fruit trees is fruit. Well, they don't have any fruit. They're fruitless. They're, it's pointless. We're talking about these apostates. Their, their fruit withers. They're without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. They have no root. They have no fruit. That's a pretty bad situation. Let's go to John chapter 15 right quick. Because I was thinking about this early and debating whether I'd go there or not. But we're going to go to John 15. We're still going to make headway. How's that? John chapter 15. Oh, I almost started reading 16. What a travesty that would have been. Not really. Uh, verse uh, Chapter 15 of the Gospel of John, verse 1. I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Vine dresser, thank here. I'm a husbandman. Why? Because you're, you're a husband? Yeah, in part. But also I have a garden. I know what it is to be a husbandman. Uh, a lot of spiritual truths in your garden is you're in there pulling out the weeds and, you know, uh, pruning and you know, taking all the sucker branches off your tomatoes so that they produce, you know, a lot of, lot of lessons to be learned there. I'm the true vine, my father's the husband, and every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Jesus Christ is not ambivalent about fruit. He wants there to be Maximum result. Uh, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. Now what does that just tell you? He told you that Jude, because they have no fruit, is they're not abiding in the vine. I mean, extrapolate here. Connect some dots, because I think it's exactly what he's saying. But he's challenging us. No more uh, can you... You can't, you can't uh, uh, bear any fruit except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do a lot, but not as much as you could if you were abiding in me. No, no, it didn't say that. Without me you can do nothing. If you abide... Not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered. Men gather them up and carry them in the fire and they are burned. Not the real deal, as we'll see in Jude. Are these people here, are they born again people? Well, I'll show you that they're not, but you should have been able to guess that anyway. So here they are, they're raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Me and Suze, we have a I won't call it a dispute. She loves the ocean. She is ocean ghost. She wants to go uh, by the ocean. She wants to see big waves. She wants to walk uh, uh, barefoot in the sand, which I think is just abysmal. So she's down by. I remember one day, it was probably this time last year, maybe it was the year before, and she was, and it was cold. It was cold, cold. Wind coming off the ocean. I got my hoodie on, and I'm just freezing, walking like parallel to her about 100 yards. She's got her bare feet walking in the sand in the surf, and I'm thinking, that is just wrong. On so and she's just having the time of her life. Um, in the new, by the way, I'm theologically correct, because in the new world, in the new world, when Jesus comes back and remakes the world, there's no more sea. 
Why? Because that's a picture of restlessness. It's a picture of the to and fro-ness. And by the way, if you like the ocean and like my wife does, God bless you. It's not a, you're a heretic and you have to repent. Nobody's saying that, okay? Just, I'm just saying that right now. But I will tell you in the new, you can read it. We'll get there in Revelation, which we'll start next week, by the way. But we won't get all the way to Revelation 21 <laughs> next week, okay? It's going to be slow going. I'm just going to tell you that right now. But anyway, uh, in the new the new age, the new world, the new world that's to come, I should say, new age, that's the wrong phrase. The new world that Jesus recreates. There's no more sea. Sea's a picture of the, the, the Gentile nations, and it's also a picture of restlessness. It's like, hey, uh, Satan, where have you been? Oh, I've been up and down the world, to and fro, you know, here and there. It's that restlessness of evil. It's like the, the raven when he's let go from the ark. He goes to and fro, to, but he doesn't come back to the ark again. That's a picture of that, that restlessness. And here, I, Jude is using that raging waves of the sea. What are they doing? Just going to and fro. There's no point to them. They're foaming out their own shame. They're not producing anything. Remember, they're fruitless. They're, they don't have fruit. They don't have root. To, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever? Is he talking about hell? Of course, he's talking about utter darkness. You ever wonder how hell has fire and no light? How does flame not give off light? I mean, we light a candle. We want to see in our house, right? Especially when the power's out. I mean, Normally, we flick a switch, right? Uh, what happens when the power goes out? Well, we turn on the generator. We live in Maine, right? Uh, that's how that works. Or, or if you don't, you have, a, you have, you have a, a candle. You light a candle, right? Great. Now we have light. Because fire gives off light. Not in hell. You have fire, and you have outer darkness. All at once. It's crazy here. But that's what it's reserved to them. They're, they're foaming out their own shape. They're wandering stars. What's a wandering star? Well, a star is something that you navigate by before there was GPS. You remember, uh, you know, navigators, they had this little compass, this little thing, and it pointed up, and okay, here's an all star, and here's, and this is where we're going, and we got to, and imagine if you're, 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 you're pinning your wagon to a star that's moving, you're not going to end up in the right place. And it, people chart their course by people who don't know where they're going. I always say, like, you know, there's plenty of good theology around. And people say, yeah, listen to this guy, listen to this guy. I'm thinking, like, yeah, it shows because your life is all over the place. And there's so much good. To, is it all Calvary Chapel, good teaching? Is all everything you hear at Calvary Chapel is just rock solid, really good there's a re- <laughs> I think so. There's a reason I'm a Calvary Chapel guy. But like, listen, I'm a my my pastor is Ken Grace. Is he a heretic? No, no. Theologically as sound as anyone I know. And there's a reason I'm Calvary Chapel. I think it's the best package. I think they, you know, listen. You know, there's some I don't, church clubs. Okay, I'm of this brand, and I look at through every verse I look at. I'm a Calvinist, for instance. I'm not. But I'm a Calvinist. And every verse I look at, I look at through the Calvinist grid, and I come up with this. And I think, you, no, I don't. The verses, the verses. Let them shape you. Don't shape them to. And I think a lot of churches, I I think Calvinism, for instance, is guilty of just that exact thing. And I'm not down on Calvinists. They're brothers and stuff. It seems like they'd rather convert us than convert the unregenerate, but fine, not fine, but 
it is the way it is. But you can pick, I can go through the different, and I could spend the rest of our time saying, okay, you know what the problem with this group here is? Because they believe this and they don't believe this. But what about this verse? And what about this verse? And people, cessationists, they don't believe in the gifts of for today. Uh, and they kind of walk in lockstep with all the others who think that way. And it's kind of like, I, I know it's not really scripturally supported, but I gotta, you know, I get, I gotta go along to get along. I don't think Calvary Chapel's like that. I don't think we're lockstep type people. I mean, there are some things that are non-negotiables. The truth of Scripture, the Word of God, the deity of Jesus Christ, the virgin birth. And when you get to that list of what absolutely is, it's not a huge, long list. I mean, it's just not. Let's keep moving, though. But they're wandering stars, so you hit your wagon to them, you ain't going to end up where you want to end up. They're not true. They're not going to give you true north. They're going to give you like a wobbly kind of. Uh, God forbid I should ever do that. Well, Adam, you're, you're just like everybody else. You're only as smart as you are. I think it's beyond intellect. I think it's like, Lord, use me. Don't let me drift off this way. Uh, I think, you know, if, if you're open to the Spirit of God and you let God do in you what needs to be done to you, you don't end up with this, this is what I believe and you better come in with it, in line. We have different, even in this group right here, we have different ideas, and, di- and it's, it, it's okay. Uh, there's some, you know, a non-essentials unity to this, and I think that's biblically correct, but let's keep moving. Uh, they're wandering stars, and because of that, and, and for many other reasons, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever, he's telling them where they're going. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. <laughs> I think, I think uh, Enoch likes the word ungodly. Anyway, say, where is this? I remember reading about Enoch in Genesis, and I've never seen this verse in Genesis. because It's not there. It's in the book of Enoch, first Enoch, properly. Anyone ever read the book of first Enoch? Anyone read the book of Second Enoch besides me? You, you did? Oh, good on you. No, I'm, I'm serious. Um, I think it's good reading. You can download the whole thing. I did for zero dollars and zero cents. It, it, it's, it's, it's very available. Uh, should you read it? I don't have any objection to that, whatever. There's a lot of extra biblical books. You, you, you know, uh, you say, uh, should you read The Tale of Two Cities? Yes! Today, I mean, yes, wonderful. It's not going to advance your theology, I don't think. But it's a wonderful book. I love Dickens. I'm really just mad about Dickens. I, uh, um, so if this isn't a Bible book. Why is he quoting it? Well, I've quoted Dickens. Because it advances the point I'm trying to make. You remember Paul at Myers Hill? He quotes I think that it's the the, uh, the the poet's name is Euripides. He's a, a Greek poet. Why would Paul quote a Greek poet? Because he's advancing an idea, and this guy is helping him to it. It's not the word of God. He's saying, "Oh, your own guy says this, and yeah, it's true enough, and this is what you ought to know." And uh, y- you know, I've, I've I've quoted like Tom Sawyer. Well, uh, you know, it's Tom Sawyer. And uh, I've quoted Tale of Two Cities. I've quoted uh, the, um, 
Uriah Heep character in um, yeah <laughs> David Copperfield I kept thinking Robert no David Copperfield wonderful book and the Uriah Heep character is very interesting. Sue's making a face like she got a hold of some bad cheese because he is nasty and but he's but he because he, I talk about false humility and if you know the Uriah Heap character is false is he's the picture of false humility because so I'm trying to make a point and I think we make those points and I think he's making a point he's talking about Enoch it's not a biblical book you say well why isn't it a biblical book because in the Old Testament we get that from Israel and Israel didn't consider uh, a um, sacred literature um so we can tell israel well, you ought to include this you know the thing like yeah who are you they are the arbiters of that thing when by the time christ uh came around they were already determined what scripture was and scripture wasn't there's a lot of extra biblical books uh anyone ever read first and second maccabees i think good reading on the history of the jewish revolt under um I can't come up with his name. Um, um, huh? <laughs> Forget it. Anyway, look, good good history. Is it scriptural? The Jewish people didn't think so. In the New Testament, we have not really any debate. Well, there's always some Dan Brown kind who says, yeah, the book of Judas should be gospel. <laughs> you hear what you're saying. But anyway, uh, beyond all that, there's a lot of extra-biblical writings in the New Testament and the Old Testament, and this is one of them. And so he's quoting, he's accurately quoting what it says. Now, what does Enoch have to say? He's the seventh from Adam, by the way. Interesting. So he, we're talking about way back. He prophesied of these, these heretics, these, these, these apostates, and he said, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints, and he's going to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. That's what Enoch has to say. Is that going to happen? We know Jesus is coming back. We know he's going to judge. Uh, Enoch might have been the first to say it, but he's certainly not the last, and we know this is going to happen. Uh, these are... Murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having persons in admiration because of advantage. What does that mean? Murmurs means murmurs, complainers means complainers, walking after their own lusts means they're very self-willed, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words. They boast, they're great uh, orators also, and they having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. They will tell you how wonderful you are to gain an advantage. Okay, that's what it's saying. Okay, they're flatterers. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that he told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. Let's I, I know, I know the hour's getting away from us, but let's let's look at this quickly. Second Timothy. He's talking about apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, like Paul the Apostle, right? 2 Timothy chapter 3, you can turn there, just listen. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, 
disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. You're saying, what, adult diapers, incontinent? Is that a sin? It's like that. No self-control is the idea. Yeah, I wish I could illustrate any of these points to you. Hmm. Uh, They're fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Boy, I wish I had an illustration. And on and on and on. Look at Second um, Peter. We're just going towards the back a few pages here. Second Peter, chapter three, verse three. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, "Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation." By the way, for this they are willingly ignorant of. What is willingly ignorant? Dumb on purpose is what it means. Back to Jude. So when he says, remember the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the end times, it's going to be characterized by this. He's saying that. How they told you there should be mockers in the last time. Are there mockers in the last time? Yes. Does that surprise us? No, because we're Bible people. We knew it was coming. Are we in the last times? Listen, if you've got any unfinished business, I'd take care of it today. I'm just saying. I've lived my life like this. Whatever we need to do for the Lord, what are you waiting for? I, okay, thank you. <laughs> these, these be they who separate themselves. Sensual, not having the Spirit. Separate themselves mean, oh, they're loners. No, they try to split groups up. Like Solomon and the baby. The mother of the baby didn't care if that was split up. If you birth something, you care about it being split up. But if you don't, oh yeah, as long as I get a faction and I get a chunk and I get a, they're, they're divisive is the idea and they want a following. They don't have to have the whole, they just take some. And they, they're walking after their own lust. Remember that. They're sensual. They have not the spirit. Read here, not born again. That's why we know that they have the blackness of darkness forever. Unborn again people. Hell. Uh, listen, if you take exception to what I just said, take it up with the author. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm not God's editor. I'm just, del- I'm, the, I'm God's mailman. I'm just delivering the mail, okay? If, if you have a real problem with the fact that born people who don't have the spirit don't go to heaven, again, just take it up with God. It's his heaven. But ye beloved, ah. Uh, now we're back on. Now we're back. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Let's talk about speaking in tongues. It is in 1 Corinthians 14, it is. Is it, when you're talking about praying in the Spirit, is that exclusively talking about the gift of tongues? I don't think so. I don't think it's talking about that here. You know, the, uh, the Spirit uh, intercedes with groanings that we can't even utter them. Uh, and I'm, by the way, I'm pro-tongues. I'm not dissing that. You, are, you guys all understand that. But here, is he talking about, because I think he's talking about everybody, and not everyone prays in tongues. We know that. You, beloved, build up yourselves in the most holy faith. Everyone can do that. Uh, praying in the Holy Ghost. I think everyone can do that. Like, with the Holy Spirit leading us, with, with a mindfulness of the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, and praying that way. Listen to yourself pray. You know, would it embarrass you at the end of the day? Like, this is what I was asking for. I mean, is it like, you know, we're praying to 
Santa in the sky and here's our Christmas list. No, for sure, he blesses us with a lot of things. But is it all about us and us? And the Lord, fill up my bank account, fill up my belly, and fill up my everything. I want it, I mean, that's, I, don't, I would just suggest that to be sure, give us this day our daily bread. You know, you know, forgive us our debts. Now let's move on. Let's pray for everybody else because we got we we're all set. God, you've blessed us, and you need to forgive us. I mean, we got to clear the air with some stuff. And then, like, isn't it about everybody else after that? Isn't that what praying the Holy Spirit looks like? Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a di- difference. Some people, you have to meet them on their level. You have to have compassion. You have to reach out in love. And others, save with fear, verse 23, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. I say again, there's some people listening to these wandering stars, and I'm thinking, they're going to take you to no place good. And, and if, if we could just desperately reach them, reach into the fire, pulling them out, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh, because that doctrine is the doctrine of devils that, that, that of course it's spotting the flesh it's it, it, it's all fleshly now he ends with the doxology okay we ran through this i think you got it i want to end with the doxology i usually go to uh, numbers but we're going to end here this is a praise do, doxology Ology, from the logos, speak. Doxa is praise. Praise speech, okay? It's to God, but it's about you, okay? And I want you to, I want to praise God with these last two verses, and I want to bless you at the same time. So why don't we stand, okay? If you said, if I told you God had a blessing for you today, bring, bring something to convey it in. Would you bring a basket? Would you rent the U-Haul truck? You know, uh, come on up. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, they were glutted, is the word. They were, it says they were filled. It meant they had Thanksgiving. They were like, where's my stretchy pants? Oh, my goodness, where's my stretchy toga? This is, uh, oh, this is ridiculous. I can't even eat another, you know. How much blessing do you want? I just, I always like that when somebody's saying, I like, because I want to catch it all. That's what I do. But you do whatever you feel like you want to do, right? Let's praise God. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Father, we understand you are able to keep us from falling. I praise you, because if I left to my own devices, I would fall daily. And you are able to present us faultless before your glorious throne. We praise and thank you to our only wise God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who's able to do all this for us. Praise your holy name, Lord, for this great salvation wherewith you saved us. We praise you, we bless you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.